All right, how many of you are ready? Oh, I need to dismiss. Finding the Rock. And where is Steve? Steve, raise your hand there. I'm going to ask all of you Finding the Rock folks to follow Steve out because he's going to be subbing for Mr. Dossett next Wednesday and Sunday, right? So there he is. Raise your hand, Steve. There you go. God bless all the Finding the Rock folks. Give them a hand as they go. We got... We have 60 people going through Finding the Rock right now. So that is a blessing, 60 folks. And there they go. And I don't care where they go as long as they're in the building somewhere. All right, how many of you are blessed tonight? Are you blessed? I want to talk to you about something tonight that changed my life, and that is the power of a renewed mind. How many of you know that the old think tank needs to be renewed? How many of you know that there's a good kind of brainwashing? Say with me, I'm brainwashed, or I need to be. All right. All right, let's stand together, and we're going to read just a few verses, and then you can sit down, and I want to share with you on the series out of Philippians now. And uh, this is out of what we're calling the joyful letter, the book of Philippians, the joyful letter. And this is uh, out of, written out of prison by the Apostle Paul. And uh, we're in chapter 1 still, and here's what it says. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will, say it with me, everyone, keep on growing. Now, why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them to do that. Keep on growing. Now, I want you to turn to the other side and really preach this time. Tell them, keep on growing. Come on. Keep on growing. Now, I want you to catch that little phrase because what you will see when you read the letters of Paul, which are the letters of the Holy Ghost to you and to me, what you'll hear is a continual refrain of that one thing. God wants you to keep on growing. God doesn't want you to stand still. He doesn't want you to plateau. He sure doesn't want you to slide back. He wants you to keep on growing. So here we go. In what? In knowledge and in understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by who? That's what we're talking about, the fruit of the Spirit. You don't make the fruit of the Spirit come, come into your own life. It's not sown like a gift. It's grown. Fruit is not sown, it's grown. Now, what will this do? It'll bring much glory and praise to God when you keep on growing in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith. And against such, there is no law. So we're to keep on growing. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. Speak to our hearts, and I pray that maturity and unity and love will increase in this house. And we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Turn to your neighbor again and say, keep on growing. You better pay attention. All right, I love the Word of God. I really do. And the Word is so clear. And, you know, people ask me, I, I, I run into very few pastors, and I'm not in any way being critical. I love pastors, but I run into very few who teach through whole books. But here's my issue with that. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
Not a few pet verses that you harp on over and over and over ad nauseum. But we are to hear the whole counsel of God, all the word of God. And so to me, if every verse is God-breathed, then we ought to look at every verse. Now, we're not going to do it where we're, you know, uh, stuck in the word and not really moving through the book uh, where it's too laborious, but I'm going to look at the whole thing. I want us to get the warp and woof of what God was saying to us here. And God wants us to keep on growing. We ought to be further along spiritually than we were a year ago. We have, ought to have stronger faith. Ought to have more love. We ought to be seeing spiritual increase in our heart. And we ought to see a change in the way that we think. We're going to be looking tonight at that which lies between your two ears. The way you think. Because we're going to be looking at a renewed mind. Now, last time we saw that God's will is that we grow in love, knowledge, and discernment. Now, how does that happen? If I see God telling me to do something, I want to know how to do it. How do I grow in knowledge and love and discernment? I want you to say it with me, can you? By the renewing of our minds. That's how you grow. I can't tell you how important it is that you and I take in the Word of God, and we're going to see that tonight, because if your mind is not being renewed, you're not growing. Okay? Now, when he says, I want you to grow in knowledge and discernment, what does that mean? Well, knowledge means to become fully acquainted with. It is full discernment. It is to be fully knowledgeable of something. The New Testament is filled with this aspect of God's will for us. I want you to look at what it says in another place. This is Paul again. He says, we pray. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and what, everybody? Growing in the knowledge of God. So we're supposed to be growing in what kind of knowledge? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God that is revealed in the Bible. What is the Bible? It's a revelation of who God is. And we're to be growing in the knowledge of of the God who saved us and the God we walk with. He wants us to know Him better today than we knew Him last year. Now let me ask you, take a little poll here. How many of you believe, really, that you know God better than you knew Him a year ago? Isn't that beautiful? That just makes me want to shout because that's the sign of a growing church see a church grows because the members grow i used to get excited about numbers i get just excited now about spiritual growth in the people and so when i see you raise your hand and say i know him better than i knew him a year ago as a pastor that blesses me because that's my job to teach you about god that's my calling one of them teach you about God. Look at what Peter had to say about it. Read it with me, can you? Grace and peace be yours in abundance through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now notice how he connects you experiencing grace and peace. He directly correlates that to your increasing in the knowledge of God. As you come to know God better, your walk of peace becomes stronger and the grace that is on your life is stronger. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll take all the grace God wants to give me. Amen? And I'll take peace. Oh, I love peace. 
I love peace. And so over and over again, you see in the Word that we're to be growing in the knowledge of God. And again, how do we grow in the knowledge of God? Say it with me. The renewing of our minds. Knowledge is something where you are learning. You're learning. And we're to learn about God. Now, when we're going to talk about the renewing of the mind tonight, I want to take us to the most familiar passage on this subject. And it's in Romans 12. You know it very well, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. And it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what, everyone? Transformed. By what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now let me ask you another question. How many of you want to know what God's will is for you? The rest of you, why are you in church? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I I know you're just kind of, I get you to raise your hand a lot. But I want to know. Do you want to know God's will for you? All right. Then look what he says to us. He says, you come to know the will of God for you by the renewing of your mind. As your mind is renewed in the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of His ways, then the Bible says you will come to an understanding of God's will. And He describes that will as good and pleasing and perfect. God's will is good. God's will is pleasing. And God's will is perfect. Those are three adjectives describing the same thing. God's will. I used to hear people teach, and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, I taught it where it says uh, uh, that there is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I used to say to people, well, you can be in the good will of God, but I'd rather be in the perfect will of God. And I thought it was three different levels of God's will being described, but it's not. He's just saying, let me tell you about the beauty of God's will. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. That's the way God's will is. Now, let's look at the key words that were in this verse, all right? First one is conform. Conform means to fashion yourself according to something. It's the idea of being placed into a mold, all right? So that's conform, fashioning yourself according to a pattern. And he says, don't be conformed, fashioned according to the mold of this world, the mold of this culture. I don't want you as a Christian to look like this culture, talk like this culture, think like this culture, walk like this culture. I want you to be different because you're not in this culture. Your body's in it, but you are in the kingdom of God. And so he says, I want you being in the kingdom of God to be molded by that kingdom, not molded by this current culture. This week, you experience tremendous pressure from so many different areas to conform yourself to the thinking and the ways of this culture. you got to fight it every single day. You know what the life of the Christian is? It's an uphill battle every step. Because we have been delivered out of this culture. We're in it, but we're not of it. And so God says, don't let yourself be conformed to the way this world thinks the way this world looks at things, the way this world talks, because you're a child of the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it again. You're a child of the kingdom of God. 
you have a new citizenship. You're a citizen of the USA, but you are also a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that is what is supposed to be shaping us. And so he says, don't conform yourself to this culture. Now, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, transformed is metamorphose. Can you say that with me? Metamorphose. This is what happens with a butterfly. A butterfly used to be a caterpillar living on leaves, chomp, 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 chomping on the leaves, just living like a caterpillar. But one day something incredible begins to happen to this caterpillar. He weaves himself into a what? Cocoon. And inside that cocoon, you know what he becomes? Liquid gel. He undergoes a total transformation. And inside that liquid gel and inside that cocoon, a miracle of metamorphosis begins to happen. And he is literally changed from a leaf-chomping caterpillar He crawls out of that cocoon, breaks out of that cocoon, and spreads something brand new, wings. And he flies off of the leaves he used to chomp on. Flies into the air as a beautiful butterfly when he used to be a leaf-chomping caterpillar. What is God saying to us? You used to be lost, feeding on sin, living like the devil, chomp, 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 on everything that was wrong. But then you got saved. You got born again. You got redeemed. And I'm about to preach on Wednesday night. You got redeemed. And God totally changed you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and all. I said all is become new. You used to be a sin-chomping sinner. But now you are a born-again butterfly. It's the same word. Don't be conformed to this age, this culture, this world. But be transformed experience a literal metamorphosis be transformed by the renewing of your mind so there we are given a powerful truth that as my mind is renewed by the word of god i undergo as revolutionary a change as that caterpillar does when he becomes a butterfly powerful stuff y'all All right, I want to show you just one example of the power of this word. You remember when Jesus walked up to the top of the mountain and took the inner three, the big three with him, James, Peter, and John? They went up there, and while they were up there, look what it says. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was what? Transformed. He was was metamorphosed right in front of them. And the Bible says, his face shone like the sun. Gosh, think of it. Here stands just a regular looking man, the son of God. He goes on the mountain and all of a sudden something begins to happen to him that is supernatural. And while they look at him, it says that his face began to shine 
with the brilliance of the sun. And his clothes became white as light. He was metamorphosed, transformed right in front of them. Same Greek word. Same Greek word is used in Romans 12 too. When it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's talking about, dear children of God, he's talking about a major change. He's not talking about getting a little bit of religion. He's not talking about showing up for church a couple of times a month. He's not talking about leading a good life. He's talking about being transformed inside of you. And how does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. Renewing means to renovate, as you would redecorate an old house to look like new. We renovated this building. When I brought our uh, finance committee into this building for the first time, they looked at me and said, you just got to be kidding me. And I said, oh, this, this can be a beautiful place. And they said, Pastor, we can do better than this. And I said, no, I don't think we can. I really think this is it. Now, you guys prayed. I'm not going to do anything until you can agree with it. But I want you to pray because I really believe this is it. Now, last week, one of them took me aside and said, Pastor, you were so right. I can't believe the way this place is looking. It's gorgeous. And I said, I know. It has been renovated, renewed, remade. And that's what God does with you and me. Be not conformed to this world, transformed by the renewing, the renovation the renewal of your think tank, the renewal of the way you think. Now, the last two words I want to point out, they go together, test and approve. Can you say with me? Test and approve. Be renewed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve things that are right. That means to be able to see the true value of something. And I'm going to talk to you about this in a minute. It's the word that we recognize as discernment. God wants us to have discernment. And discernment means that you can test the true value of something and see if it's of God or not of God. And church, I got to tell you, I think the church in America needs a huge dose of discernment. We need discernment. And how does discernment come? It comes as you mature spiritually. How does discernment, how is it developed in your life? It's developed by the renewing of your mind as you are transformed and not conformed. That's how it comes. And the more your mind is renewed, the more you're able to look at something and say, that's of God or that's not of God. That's good or that's not good. And we need that desperately in America. Discernment. I think America's eyes are blind. We need discernment, and it comes by the renewing of the mind. So let's translate this verse accordingly after looking at all these definitions. Let's, let's do this. Read it with me. Don't allow yourselves to be squeezed into the mold of the external and fleeting fashions of this age, nor be yourselves fashioned to them, but undergo. Y'all, I can't hear most of you. Come on, read with me. I know it's been a long day. Read with me. All right, here we go. But undergo a deep inner change 
by the renovation of your thinking as the Spirit of God works in you that you may be able to judge the true spiritual value of things. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Y'all did a good job. Give yourselves a hand. Now let me give you three steps in the renewal process. How many of you want a renewed mind tonight? Oh man, I want a renewed mind. Now let's look at it. Say with me presentation. The first step to a renewed mind is presentation. You're going to have to make a presentation of your body to God. Look here. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Now, I want you to catch this. And remember that I told you this. You will never experience a renewed mind or go anywhere in God until you make a presentation of your body to Him. That means your mind. All of your body, your whole existence, you got to give it to God. Nothing's going to happen until that happens. Now, let me show you the way this works. When you sell a house to a new owner, you turn over the title deed, you turn over all your rights to it, and you completely let go of any further claims. What would the new owner think if the week after you sold it to him and gave him the title deed and took his check, he went home and you were in the living room? He would say to you, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I just kind of want to pop in from time to time. Well, I hate to break it to you, friend, but you can't because I bought it. And what if you said to him, well, I know you bought it, but you know what? I kind of want to use it when I want to. And I I didn't think you'd mind. And so when I really get the notion, I'm just going to come on into the living room or walk into the kitchen, get in the refrigerator, get the food that I want, sit down and have a little meal. I'll I'll eventually leave. But from time to time, I want access to this house according to my will. You know where you'd be soon? You'd be in a police car headed down to the funny farm because everybody understands ownership, right? Everybody, do you understand ownership? All right. Can I tell you tonight, most Christians don't. They don't understand the ownership that God has over their body. Watch this. Does this apply, this whole illustration of the house? Does that apply to us in God? Yes. Look what it says in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Read it with me. For God bought you with a high price. What was the price? It was blood. It was the blood of the only begotten Son of God. All right? So what does he say? In light of that purchase, so you must honor God with what, everyone? Your body. Can I tell you something? You don't own your body anymore. If you're a believer, you don't own your body anymore. God owns it. Because it's the dwelling place. It's the house of the Holy Spirit. See, when I was talking about a normal house and how weird it would be for me to go into the living room once I sold it, everybody laughed and understood. But when I talk about our bodies being His home and He owns it, 
Y'all look at me like a deer stares at headlights. Because isn't it hard to understand that? But here's the deal. God has moved in. God has moved into your house. Your body is the temple, the home, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And he says, therefore, you are not your own. So you can't do with it what you want. You can't go live in sexual sin. Don't shout me down now. Man, we're going to have to edit out all that clapping. I I tell you what, for the radio. I, I could go through many, many ways that you ought to honor your body because it is purchased by God. See, when when Jesus' blood was shed and He died for you, when that blood was spilled and you said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart, He purchased you. And He sent His Spirit to live inside of you. Now He says, you are not your own. Your body is not your own. You have been bought with a price. So you ought to take care of the temple of God. Can't live in sexual sin. I really do believe you shouldn't live in gluttony. Unless you want to die young, you can go home sooner than the rest of us if you want to. But you shouldn't live in gluttony. You know, I don't want to step on too many toes to start listing the things that you shouldn't do to your body. But you know why you shouldn't? Because it's His. He says, glorify God in your body amen pastor jeff i like this is this was worth the trip tonight this is worth the trip tonight i'm so glad i fought that rush hour traffic to get here and listen to this listen to what it says read it with me can you do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin instead give yourselves completely to god For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Say presentation. Nothing is going to happen in your life until you come to... As a matter of fact, you're not going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Until you say, Lord, I present my whole life to you, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm not going to hold anything back. You are Lord. You are my Lord. You're the boss. You've got the steering wheel. I don't anymore. I'm all yours. Now, when you do that and you make a presentation, then God goes, whoosh, and He'll pour out His Spirit on you like dynamite. So say again, presentation. You got to make a presentation. If you're going to go anywhere spiritually, the second step to a renewed mind is transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation is the process whereby we are changed into the likeness of Christ. Transformation. It takes place as we immerse ourselves in God's word. I can't harp on this enough. I think if I've got a, a pet verse or a pet message something that I harp on all the time, it is the importance of getting that word into your mind. You've got to get that word into your mind. Because you know what? When you came to Christ, you had a great big noggin full of stinking thinking. You had been programmed by this world, which is programmed by the devil. 
So what God does is he begins to erase and replace, erase and replace, erase and replace. God has a delete button. And he wants to erase, delete, remove the stinking thinking. The way you view the world, the way you view people, the way you view yourself, the way you view him, the way you approach problems, the way you respond to adversity. Many, 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 many ways that our minds need to be reprogrammed so that instead of stinking thinking, we've got Jesus thinking. Most of your problems, 98% of them, are between your two ears. Did you know that? The principle is no word, no renewing. No renewing, no transformation. If you want to undergo metamorphosis, change, if you want to become like Jesus, you're going to have to have the renewing of your mind. And that only happens by the Word of God going into your mind. Listen to the NLT version of the Bible. I love this. New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Most of what got you in trouble was the way you thought. Most of what gets you in trouble now is stinking thinking that hadn't been renewed. Isn't this just practical? See, when when God saved you, not only did he move into the house, but now he says, I love you and I'm going to live here, but we're going to have to change the way you think. All right? I love that. He wants to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And how's our thinking changed? By the entrance of God's Word into our minds. When I read the Word of God, the Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and inner motivations of the heart. Nothing on earth can divide the soul from the spirit but the word of god it's quick it's powerful it transforms you when you read the word of god you're not aware of it as you read but it is reprogramming the way you think i know people that live in misery abject misery because of the way they think they're down on themselves in their brain every day when they wake up they've already got a case built against themselves They don't believe they can. They believe they can't. They don't believe he can. They believe he can't. They don't believe he will. They believe he won't. Their faith is weak. Their thinking is weak. And so every single day is a burden and a chore. Because you're dragging along this negative, godless, worldly, defeatist thinking. There's no joy. There's no skip in your step, no gleam in your eye. Why? Because of what's between your two ears. And God wants to change that. That's the good news tonight. The Bible is so full of this concept. uh, We could be here all night just reading verses. Let me just read one to you. The entrance and unfolding of your words gives what, everyone? Light. The unfolding of your word, when I understand your word, not just read it by rote, but when I understand it, 
The unfolding of your word gives light. Their unfolding gives understanding. And what, everyone? Discernment and comprehension to the simple. James wrote in his letter, I love this. This is out of the Message Bible. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word. Isn't that beautifully put? You are a yard and God wants to landscape it. He wants the weeds out, the rocks out, the sticks out, the dead leaves out. And he wants to landscape it where when someone looks at your character, the wow factor is there. Wow! How'd you learn to love like that? Be patient like that. Have mercy like that. How'd you learn this? Oh, you know, I just hung on to the vine. I just, I just hung on. I just walked with Jesus for a while, and it began to grow. And I read his word, and it renewed my mind, which transformed me into his image. Making a salvation garden of your life. <laughs> That's beautiful. I want to be a salvation garden. Now, as we receive the good word of God and put it into practice, something wonderful takes place. Look at what Paul said. He said all the time, we are being changed to look like him. Can you say that with me? All the time. We are being changed to look like him. When does that happen? It happens when I spend time every day in his word, and then I practice what I read. And I become a salvation garden. And I begin to be transformed like that caterpillar into a butterfly. I begin to be transformed to look like him. I want, and I say this in humility, and you ought to want it too, but I want, as the years go on, I want to remind you of him. I got a long way to go, but I'll tell you what, I'm not where I used to be. And you know what? I want you to remind me of him. Well, you're going to have to run with him. You're going to have to walk with him. This change, Paul says, is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, let's look at the final process of renewal. Say with me, revelation. So there's presentation, transformation, and now revelation. This is the process of renewal. Then you will, here's the verse, let's read it, Romans 12, 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. With the renewing of our minds comes the ability to discern the spiritual value of something. That's the revelation. You can have something as a believer. You can have something approach you that is evil. And unless you have discernment developed in your life, you will not recognize it. Satan doesn't come up to you with a long tail and a pitchfork and a red suit and horns. He comes up to you as an angel of light. And if you have developed, now hear me, church, because this may save your life someday. As you read the Word and practice the Word, and your mind is renewed and your character is transformed, metamorphosed into the image of Jesus, and you grow the fruit of the Spirit, with that comes the ability to look at something and go, that's of God, or that's not of God discernment 
discerning the spiritual value of something. Here's the illustration. In Bible days, businessmen involved in a financial transaction would bite down on a coin to see whether it was true gold or not. That's why a lot of them didn't have any front teeth. There were a lot of things passing as gold that wasn't. They'd bite down. And if it was gold, there would be a little indention. But if it was fake, hard as a rock. And so they they learned to discern the value, to discern what gold looked like, felt like, how it reacted. They learned to discern the real from the false. All right? They tested its authenticity. I feel like during the week, this is all I'm ever doing, especially if the TV's on. I'm just biting things that look like gold. And a lot of things, my faith says, pooey. That is fake as the day is long. This is the same word involved here. Revelation and discernment become a part of the life of one with a renewed mind. The ability to, as it were, bite down on something being presented and test its authenticity. We live in a fake age. We live in a day that is filled with phony baloney, filled with falsehood, filled with fool's gold. You know what fool's gold is? Looks like gold, sparkles like gold. You think it's gold till you bite it. I used to find fool's gold. It's called pyrite or fool's gold as a kid. First time I found it, I ran home, hit it in my lunchbox. Thought that I had found real gold and I wasn't going to tell my parents. I was going to go sell it and run away to the woods and live as a pioneer. I was crazy. <laughs> but I, but it was, it's called pyrite, and pyrite is everywhere. Fool's gold. Why is it called fool's gold? Because fools think it's gold. We live in a day of fool's gold. I want you to hear me on this. Things that pass for Christ and they're not. Things that pass for truth and they're not. Things that pass for Bible and they're not. And I see church people all the time being deceived by fool's gold. But when you've got discernment, church, when you've got discernment, you look right through it. Just like Paul did, that little woman with a spirit of divination following along behind him. These are the true prophets of God. They are bringing the message of God. He finally was grieved in his spirit, wheeled around and said, come out of her, you lying devil. He saw right through to the real thing. I tell you, I think our whole nation is under a blanket of deception. And if you're going to know the truth, if you're going to be able to find God in all of it and spit out the falsehood, you're going to have to have discernment. And discernment comes with growing spiritually, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. In closing, the whole reason for all that we've gone through tonight, presentation, transformation, revelation. Let's stand together. We're going to read this last verse. I want to show you. Why does God want us to have presentation of our bodies to him transformation of our character by the renewing of our mind and revelation that we would have discernment why read it with me so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value recognizing the highest and the best 
and distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling or causing others to stumble. Give God a hand for that. Amen. So that's what he says. When you're, you make a presentation, I'm no longer my own. This is your house. I can't use it the way I want. I use it for the glory of God. My mind gets renewed, and I begin to develop discernment. It keeps me from stumbling into sin and causing others to stumble with me. Isn't that powerful? Next time, we're going to talk about uh, something good. Something good. Now, can you read it with me now? Presentation of our bodies, transformation of our minds, revelation of God's will for us. Next time, think to thank. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for presentation. Church, let's right now just look up and say, Lord, I present my body to you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. Lord, I pray, transform me by the renewing of my mind as I wash it with the Word. And Lord, give me discernment so that I can recognize the snares and the tactics and deceptions of Satan so that I can bite the coin and test its authenticity. In Jesus' name. Re